0: January 9th, 2019, my name is Tanya Evans and we're here with Brooklyn Public Library, Our Streets, Our Story Project at Duana Smallwood Performing Arts Center and we're here with... Duana Adeha Smallwood. All right, so Duana, why don't you lead us on your Brooklyn story? Wow, ha. I am uh, a Brooklyn girl. I will say that, bed, die, do or die, born and raised but I can remember early memories of Brooklyn growing up and going to dance class um, because I was a part of the East family. Um, and being a part of the East family and a school we called Yuhur-Sasa, um, formed by Jutu AUC and um, Job Mashariki and a whole bunch of other, you know, Afrocentric brothers and sisters in the community, I was, um, it was part of the curriculum to learn how to dance, and so at the early age of three, I learned how to dance African dance from a teacher named Imani Payne, who now lives in Chicago, dancing with um, one of my teachers, um, Kevin Iaga Jeff, which is really amazing that they two have found each other. But that started my roots in dance and also my love of Brooklyn and culture and life and it started that age, It um, it was it was the seed was planted then. But it wasn't until I was like 12 years old growing up in a brownstone on Green Avenue, um, those are my fondest memories of getting up with my mom, going to Pratt Institute and running track at 5 in the morning you know just so we can keep in shape and then getting back home so I could you know get ready for school and pack my clothes for Girl Scouts at Emmanuel, you know um, Baptist Church I still have all of those friends you know anybody who knows Brooklyn has had some type of adventure at Emmanuel Baptist Church um, I remember packing my clothes for dance class every single day um, because I not only went to uh, uh, studied with the Nyambi Keys but then I also went to um, other schools like Jubilations which was then in Park Slope and then growing up moving around Bedford-Stuyvesant you know to first we was in we were in Bed-Stuy then we moved to Brownsville then we moved back to Bed-Stuy then I went off to college and more opportunities seemed to open up for me. But it, when I was studying with Niambi Keys, I believe her dance school was called Mixed Bag and Company, um, I took my first ballet class there. And it was there that I realized that I was actually good. Um, I was a little girl who didn't really talk. I, I was very, you know, I was a recluse, I was, I was whiny, you know, I was kind of funny looking according to what I see in the photos, but now I think I'm the most beautiful thing in the world. Um, but back then I was really just strange and lanky and needed to find my, um, my footing, and it was dance that helped me do that. I um, went to this school every single day, and it was there I learned my first solo that helped me to get into LaGuardia High School, and then um, now my love for Brooklyn would, and, and my love for dance would allow me to see other parts of New York City. So I was now starting to go to the theater. My mother would take me to see The Wiz and all kind of things on Broadway and take me to see the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater and Dance Theater Harlem and all these different um, companies that would broaden my mind um, with regards to what dance had to offer and to see if it could really be a career. And it was at age 12 that I was like, okay, I think I'm serious about this. I'm gonna make this what I wanna do. And back to the East family, they had created a festival called the African Street Festival. Right now it's called the International African Arts Festival. It happens downtown Brooklyn. But they used to have this talent contest and that was one of my first, actually that was my first talent contest that I competed in and one of the prizes was to compete on the amateur night at the Apollo and some money. And so I performed this solo that I had learned and I remember my mother saying, oh my God, I think my kid really is talented. She, she told me now as an adult that that was the time she realized that I was really talented, not just you know her kid. You know, everybody's kid is like, oh my God, my child is so beautiful. But it was at that performance that she was like, wait, my kid has something. And it was also at that performance that someone told me that I reminded them of a young Judith Jamison. Now, at the time, I had no idea who she was. um, And so I went to the New York Public Library, go figure, but they have an arts division in the city. And I went there and I watched every single recording of Judith Jamison. And I fell in love with her. Um, because she looked the way I looked. She was lanky and long and she just didn't, she wasn't the picture in all the posters that were in the schools that I went to and she wasn't on the television shows that I watched and wasn't in the shows that I had seen. And I was like, but she's so successful and she's so powerful and she's so... So I connected myself to her and everything Judith Jamison and that meant everything Alvin Ailey. And so I connected myself um, to the school after getting into Laguardia High School with that solo, I then um, auditioned for the North Carolina School of the Arts, and I went to university in Winston-Salem. Took me far away from Brooklyn, hearing the crickets and and no sirens, and the it, it was a it was an adjustment, but not one that I couldn't get used to because my mother, you know, being from Brooklyn, understood. Um, the need for me to travel so putting me in Girl Scouts was important because I got to go to Mexico and build houses in Mexico got to go to Wyoming and take care of my own horse so I was already my mind was already starting to open to the possibility of Brooklyn and so much more and dance and so much more so at at an early childhood at an early point in my life I understood that Brooklyn wasn't it, it wasn't the end-all to be-all, but it was a great place um, to plant the seed of possibility in a child and in anybody um, to go out and do what you wanted to do, especially if you have the parent who's like, go get it, go do it, make it happen, and will do whatever she has to do to make it happen, because we weren't, you know, a wealthy family at all, but, and I, to this day, can't even tell you some of the secrets my mother probably keeps to, to how she made all of this happen, um, I, oh my God, I have this funny story. I remember this one time, um, she we had this Girl Scout trip that we had to pay for, and I think it was a wider op in Wyoming, and I had to get the money to the Girl Scout troop leader, and the only way she could get it to me, because back then, Brooklyn was, you know, the time of when people used to jump you, and, you know, they would take your sneakers and things like that. She literally put the money in an envelope and taped it around my body, and then put on my long johns and my T-shirt and dressed me, so I just, she was like, in order for these people to get this money, they're going to have to kidnap you. And if they kidnap you, then I'm, I'm going to get you, and then I'm going to kidnap you again, then I'm going to get you, and, I'm gonna kidnap, and then I'm going to beat you if they take this money. So clearly, they didn't take the money because I'm still here. But I just thought that was the most hysterical um, survival tactic for single parents who are like, OK, I have no one to take you. I have no one to get you to where you need to be. And you're going to go there on your own on the bus with this money and pay for this trip because it was that important. But to fast forward all the way to like college and opportunities um, in between college, like in the summer vacations, I would start to audition for things like um, Alvin Ailey and Dance Theater Harlem. I got into both of those schools, but um, my mother was like, okay, too much is going on, you need to like focus on college you know my first year college the grades were like interesting but um everything in dance high honors (laughs) everything else I was just like is this necessary but I really understood I understand now that it is necessary so I'm always pushing education for young people to make yourself well-rounded and especially when I got into the Ailey company it was all about who are you outside of this being a dancer you have nothing to fuel your art if you don't live life And if you don't learn about the life around you. And so I learned a lot of these things at an early age and I made sure that I was close to people that held the same ethics and understanding of where I wanted to be. And I stayed away from people who didn't believe in what I wanted to do. I knew at Age 12, that I wanted to be a dancer and I wanted to travel the world and I wanted to show everybody on my block that Brooklyn girls could be famous too. Like, I, it was that simple. Like, I'm sorry, but a little girl from Brooklyn, Green Avenue, could actually do something and, and go far beyond these blocks and come back and be like, and now what? And so um, each time I do something, I'm still sort of like, oh my God, I did it. And I'm just from right there. And so I love to tell kids today that the stories of like anything is possible if you're willing to do the work, first of all. Um, If you're willing to do the work, anything is possible. If you're willing to make a few sacrifices. And when it comes to, when I think of my life and sacrifices, that word is so like, I've seen people who have made real, sacrifice. I have not sacrificed anything when you think about it. What, a few friends, a few boyfriends, a few <laughs> parties, a few events that I wish I could have gone to because I've chose to go to a class or go to train somewhere abroad or, you know, I, I just felt like that was my path and dance has always been the thing that helped me, you know, find my myself, my life. And that's why I always say dance is my oxygen because without it, Um, I don't know where I would be today, actually. Um, So after you graduated from North Carolina, where did you go to come back to Brooklyn? Well, after I graduated from North Carolina, I moved back, actually, uh, to Brooklyn. And I stayed here for about two years because... I got back and I immediately was asked to join Ailey 2. It was back then, it was called uh, the Repertory Ensemble. And I was asked to join that company, and I was in that company for two years. We toured locally, you know, uh, nationally uh, at the time, not internationally, unfortunately, but um, now they do, which is awesome. And then I auditioned in my second year and got into the first company, the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, which is so which was like a dream come true. It was the only thing, only company I'd ever wanna be in. Um, I was now going to be taught and spoken to firsthand by Judith Jamison, I was gonna be under her wing, um, but I didn't realize how much under her wing, how much, it was a full circle. Um, And talk about full circles, I forgot. Um, I remember when I was a Girl Scout and Nelson Mandela had visited Brooklyn right there at Boys and Girls High School. It was my troop, my Girl Scout troop, that led the parade, that Nelson Mandela parade. And to make things even full circle, we then go to South Africa in my second year in the company, in the Avenue American Dance Theater. And we visit South Africa and Nelson Mandela and just the whole, they renamed me Sibongile, which means we are one. It was such a full circle moment, just like, oh my God, I'm supposed to be here. And then years later, then to end up living in South Africa you know, for four years, creating a dance program, just made it seem like, wow. It's so interesting. You dream of one thing, you ask the creator for one thing, but it's only a fraction of what he wants to give you. But you have to, you know, I always say breathe, believe, and achieve. You know, you can achieve anything if you just put your mind to it and you first gotta dream it and just put it out there into the universe and it'll come back to you. But yeah, I joined the company. I was in the Albany American Dance Theater for 12 years and traveled around the world and back again. As I always say this as someone very dear to me says, I have tasted the world stage, and I love how that sounds. Um, And it helped me to broaden my understanding of people and cultures and of the world and of the necessities of the human spirit and of children, of what was missing from... So many children, and from so many people around me growing up in Brooklyn, uh, they didn't have the mother that I had. My mother was really a powerful, strong-willed um, woman. She come from a lot of, you know, heartache in her own life, but she didn't. She used it to fuel you know, the success of her children and, and where she wanted them to go. And so in traveling, I was able to see so many different cultures and and experiences to make me say, you know, how rich is my life right now? It, it is so, so rich that I felt like um, now we come to today, I feel like I owe so many people um, for me being able to experience all of that. I know my mother did not fund all of those trips and all of those dance clothes and all of those dance classes. I know she didn't do that on her own. And so for the people I, who remain nameless or unknown, I have to pay it back and pay it forward in the children of our Brooklyn community. And what better way than to do it with your own hands and with the gift that you've been given by the creator. I love dance and I can't imagine my life without it. And I can't imagine a community without the arts and particularly dance because it's a form of expression, it's a way for us to deal with so much, um, so many toxins that are stored in our bodies that we don't even realize that are stored in our bodies until we, you know, um, release them through movement. And our young people today are dealing with so much. They are overstimulated, sometimes not in a good way. Um, and so they need positive affirmation. They need to be like saturated with um, opportunity and other options and they're so ready for instant gratification you know they so want the i wake up tomorrow and boom i'm successful i wake up tomorrow and boom, i got it i'm doing it i gained it i want it and it and it doesn't work like that it it's a life journey and um through my life and do the journey of my life i want to show them that everything is possible not you just dream it and you think it, and it just happens. You have to do some work, you have to put the prayers out there as well, but you also have to do some work. You have to make some connections, you have to be good to people, you have to give back. What you give the universe, the universe gives back to you. You you know, you feed your body, it feeds you. You feed the earth, it feeds you. You feed the community, the community feeds you. And so it's like, it's a continuous cycle. You know, how do we, you know, do that for our 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 world and our planet. And that's what the Duana Small Performing Arts Center is about. And located here on Lexington Avenue? Yes, yeah, so I opened up um, the Duana Small Performing Arts Center located on Lexington Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, 857 Lexington Avenue in Brooklyn, New York to be exact. Uh, because I felt like, first of all, the block was just... Horrible when I came here. It's a cultural desert, um, and when I say that, I don't mean that in the homes, the secret coves, um, don't exist artists who are just phenomenal, who are screaming from the rooftop. Give me a platform, but there are no facilities that are affordable or accessible and readily, um, you know, for ready for an artist to come in and create and build and grow and. And, and perfect their talents. Um, where are the safe places for our children to go in and feel like they're not judged and there is no, um, and there's room for constructive criticism and room for, for growth and mistakes and you fall down and you get back up and you keep going. And and I felt like that was needed. Every time I went away on tour and I'd come back and I'd be like, okay, it's a nice new tree, but mm. Okay. Oh, okay. The library is still there. It may not have been renovated, but the library is still there. Those are staples in the community. But where are the arts facilities? Where are the, you know, the theaters? And we have certain areas in Brooklyn that are saturated. Certain areas in New York that are saturated with facilities that allow for growth and and just um, self-care and nurturing. People to exist in that community, and then you have pockets of areas in New York and in Brooklyn, in particular, that are drowning in, you know, obesity and um, HIV and health crisis and unemployment and, you know, health issues and mental illness and homelessness and all of those things and and the proliferation of gangs and. Why not me, and why not now, and why not dance? And so I said, okay, find me a space. And I looked, and this was the best space on the best block for the best price. And I decided I'm gonna invest as much money (laughs) as possible into making this space beautiful and safe and warm so children don't wanna leave when they come. And that's exactly what we have. So through a generous um, donation from Oprah Winfrey, um, I was able to do that. And I believe she believed in the mission of me and, and the purpose of what I was trying to do, and that's why she gave, but I, I, I still, I guess I shouldn't ask why, because if you ask why, you defy, you know, what is what is really supposed to be possible. You, you, you question what is supposed to be true about your path and your destiny. And so I won't do that. Um, I will just accept and understand that I have a responsibility to my community and to the people who raised me and the people who who made it possible for me to have these opportunities. But I had to go far away sometimes from Brooklyn to get what I needed and to get the training and so I'm trying to train the next of Jamison, the next Mikhail Borishnikov, the next Dwana Smallwood, the next Alvin Ailey, you know the next Misty Copeland. I'm trying to train that one but not just train them but to make them into caring, humble, decent human beings and citizens of the world. You know we are about to um, embark on a trip to South Africa taking our youth ensemble um, to South Africa. I'm really excited about that. So it continues to be full circle to let them see that it is possible. You have to put it in people's faces sometimes um, that there are other options out there. That's amazing. How many uh, children do you have you serve I guess, within the past four years? Oh, goodness. I would say about... 10,000, and I come up with that number based on data that we have kept. We have served about 10,000 children because we have a mama festival, More Arts, More Live, and during that day, it's run from 11 to six. We have free classes all day, workshops. We have performances. We allow performance space and workshops that go, and we have that festival every year. We also have classes every single year. semester, fall, spring, and Saturday program. We have a little dancer program from ages three to six. We have seven to 18. We also have performances. We have performances here at our facility in our Black Box Theater, but we also do performances outside of our facility. at the Gelsey Kirkland um, Academy of Ballet, they also have a beautiful theater, which holds about 300. And so when we have a huge performance, we have performances there. We also have our youth ensemble that travels and performs for huge audiences. You know, we've performed at the Brooklyn Museum. We've performed at Carnegie Hall, you know, and now embarking on this trip. But we, uh, we have a huge YouTube um a site where people can look at videos and things like that of performances. But our kids are learning to be better human beings um, enrolling in our programs. It's not about just learning how to do a plie. Yeah, first of all, dance is not just learning about how to do a plie, how to do a split. You know, if somebody else walks up to me and says, oh my God, I can do the splits. And it's like, okay, you're very flexible. Um, But... um, I want my children. You can be the most talented young person, but if you're not humble and gracious, it's not gonna work and you're not gonna go far, I believe. Um, and it's not gonna last, it's not gonna be sustainable. And you're not gonna give back, you know? And that's, that's important to me, giving back. Um, just uh Brooklyn means home, home. I feel Brooklyn feels safe. It feels like community. When I think of Brooklyn, I think of music. I think of dance. I think of art. I think of beautiful graffiti, Um, artist graffiti. You know? Um, I think of overhead trains, and I hope we don't get rid of them. I just wish we would paint them or something. I think of opportunities. I think of hidden gems. I think of family. Think of family, I think of brownstones. Um, I think of story time. I think of slumber parties. I think of all of those things because that's what makes me into me. I think of the bus, the bus stop. <laughs> I think of block parties, and fire hydrants, and oh man, block parties. Um, those are some fun days. I think of cheerleading. I think of, oh man, I think of the train. Woo! think of all of those things. And I want people to remember the community. The more Brooklyn changes, the more Brooklyn, Brooklyn grows, I want us to not forget about the community, to forget about the family. Even with all the new families and the new, you know, cultures coming into Brooklyn, I want us to all embrace each other and to really celebrate the dynamics in all of our different cultures and to understand the thing that makes Brooklyn rich is why everybody wants to come to Brooklyn. And I want us to not change that. I want us to not try to erase what Brooklyn is um, because it is a cultural gem and it deserves to be taken care of and needs it deserves to be invested in um, yeah it, it really does it really does Brooklyn Brooklyn is home so home and if I could build so many other things like on this block alone has the block has built up if I could build a library on Lexington Avenue it would be awesome if I could build a museum on Lexington Avenue it'd be awesome an internet cafe awesome um, a group home for girls awesome like a whole arts district in this area it would be amazing like we could really make it really really beautiful but there needs to be something to keep people in Brooklyn and not just in certain areas all of Brooklyn has something to offer Bed-Stuy is the place Bed-Stuy is the area in Brooklyn that made Brooklyn famous Bed-Stuy is why everyone comes to Brooklyn I just want us to do you know the saying you know best do a die, best die. My whole thing is, you know, can we do a little less dying and a little more doing, and then we can make best die like an amazing, an amazing metropolis of just artistic expression and just engineering, you know, steam, as people would say it. You know, we can make it something phenomenal, but we need um, people to invest in it. Not just live here, but embrace Brooklyn. And to really start patronizing the businesses in Brooklyn and the, the art centers in Brooklyn and the coffee shops and the you know the libraries and the bookstores and the and the and the small little galleries and things like that, um, yeah, Brooklyn is home. And so no matter where I live, I will always still have um, my brownstone in Brooklyn. That was one of my greatest glories to buy my brownstone in Brooklyn. So, yeah. You're welcome.